Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to episode 40 of Dad and Daughter Do Death. Hi Phoebe. Hi Dad, how are you? I'm all right. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, wrap up the Fred and Rose West story because it has been such a huge story the more I've delved into it and I know so much more about it which I always thought was quite a confusing tale really but um, yeah but uh, there is some really good stuff on Wikipedia which I don't think I'd have been the first person to use that as a source no (laughs) no. things (laughs) but also in my book of the big book of serial killers by Jack Rosewood that's another good source of information although that one's a bit more concise yeah Yeah. wikipedia has got a lot about this story yeah it's a huge story isn't it massive you said but like you've said every week it's just huge and there's so many different facets to it and the twists and turns and the number of people that are involved and yeah and the depravity of it and it's kind of like one of the the stories isn't it like one of the big true like when you think of like murderers in England you'd think of like Mario yeah. Hindley and Bradley Jack the um, Ripper Jack the Ripper Rose and Fred West Harold Shipman Harold Shipman yeah I think they're kind of one of the big British murderers aren't they, they are. so I think yeah you just always know them as like the people who buried some of their own children under the patio <laughs> um yeah. but I don't know if you I don't think I knew that much more about it yeah so yeah. I think it's interesting to kind of look at the different sides of it and also the whole thing about their upbringings. And yeah, which is horrendous. All of that, which must have had some sort of impact on it. I mean, not saying that everyone who has an upbringing like that does these things, but that must have had some sort of impact on them. Yeah, I'd have thought so. Must have shaped their personalities. Oh, God, yeah. It's funny, really, that they found each other. Yeah. In, in such a sort of coincidental way, and they both had that sort of background. Yeah. And they both decided that they were going to be all right with murdering people and that that was going to be something fun for them to do together. Picking up from where we left off last week on this story Mm -hmm. then, Phoebe, uh, you may remember that uh, we we got to the point where Heather was really, really desperate to try and get out. She was the eldest of Fred and Rose's children together. Yeah. As a reminder, there had been... Well, two other children beforehand, Charmaine and Anna Marie. And just to confirm, her name is Anna Marie. Um, <laughs> apologies for any confusion in last the last episode. And of course, Charmaine, we know, has already, uh, has already been murdered. Mm-hmm. But Heather was desperate to get out of the house at 25 Cromwell Street. She'd applied for some jobs, particularly jobs that are away from home. She was hoping to get work as a chalet maid when she was only 16 in a holiday resort in Torquay. But she actually got a letter on the 18th of June 1987 to say she was unsuccessful. And she cried all night. And then the next day, her siblings, of which she had seven younger ones, <laughs> yep. had, had uh, gone off to school. And when they got home, there was no sign of her. The story they were told is that... Um, she had got the job after all, after I don't know, some uh, okay. phone calls or whatever, and she had moved away. Wasn't that great? 
Be bit weird that she didn't say goodbye, but okay. Be happy for Heather, <laughs> yeah. And, and oh, exactly that. And and when the children asked why Heather hadn't contacted them at all, they were told that she had run away with her lesbian lover. <gasps> Not and, a lesbian lover. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that, that was a, sort of a source of shame that she didn't want to inflict on the other children. Okay. But they they weren't sort of convinced by this. And at one point, Stephen, who is the eldest boy, suggested that they call the police okay. to report her missing. And Fred and Rose West said, no, don't do that because Heather was involved in credit card fraud. <gasps> and if we sort of stir up too much, then the police will get onto it. It'll just be more trouble for her. Oh my God. And on several occasions, Rose arranged for people to ring the house pretending to be Heather. Oh, my God. So the phone would ring and perhaps Rose would answer it and say, oh, hello, Heather, how are you getting on? And all that. And they'd have a conversation and uh, that would be enough perhaps to convince the kids. I don't know if the children ever wanted to uh, try and talk to her. But they carried on this pretense that she was... Um, out there somewhere living a life. Strangely, though, Fred started to use a threat against the children, like if they didn't do their chores or if they hadn't eaten all of their tea or if they didn't go to bed on time, they would be told that if they didn't behave, they'd end up under the patio like Heather. Oh, my God. And it was supposed to be like a sort of a joke. Joke, yeah. But, you know, and it was always, oh, you'll end up under the patio like Heather. You'll be with Heather under the patio type thing. Um, and and oh bear in mind the kids were so young, you know, they just yeah. sort of took it as a bit of a joke because the sister disappeared. and um, Yeah, she'd run away and joking away. that she was under the patio. Jump ahead a few years. Fred and Rose West haven't committed any more murders that we know about or had any um, hitchhikers or uh, anybody come to visit that we're never seen again. Heather was the last person that hasn't hasn't (laughs) been seen again, as it were. Jump ahead, so pretty much five years, to May 1992. While Rose was out one day, Fred lured Louise to one of the upstairs rooms. She was 13 at the time. Oh, my God. He raped and sodomized her. She was screaming and sobbing. And to keep her quiet, Fred all but strangled her. When Rose, her mother, came home, Louise told her what had happened, because this is the first time that happened, I think, to Louise. Mm -hmm. And Rose just told her, well, you were asking for it. And that was kind of the, um, the, the sort of attitude that she got from Rose. And this went on for several weeks with Rose watching and Fred started to film these <sighs> rapes. So, yeah, it would have been uh, probably a video camera, I would have thought, by 1992. Oh yeah. yeah. Louise disregarded all the warnings that the parents said about don't tell anybody about what goes on in the house and things. She actually told a school friend what had been happening Good. to her and the fact that uh, yeah, she was in a lot of pain and she was scared stiff of going home. The friend told her mother and Good. her mother anonymously notified the police of this. Okay. 
No, it took a while. I don't know how long that took because the original assault took place in May. But on the 6th of August 1992, police came to 25 Cromwell Street to search for the video of these rapes and assaults that Fred had been carrying out on his daughter, Louise. They didn't find that actual video. Uh, And and incidentally, they came to the house on the pretense of looking for stolen goods that they'd had. So they had a warrant or something to look for stolen goods, but really they were looking for these um, evidence of, uh, of that particular crime. However, they did find an awful lot of other pornographic material and all sorts of um, other paraphernalia, shall we say. Mm. Bearing in mind that Rose was working as a prostitute and some yeah. of their tastes in and that, that sort of thing. Stuff yeah. that they were using. Yeah, exactly and, that. Yeah. So things were a bit un, unnatural. Okay. <laughs> in that there, were, there was it was making the police think twice it was making what was happening there yep yep particularly as louise did give a full statement through a specially trained counselor and indeed she had a physical examination which confirmed that she was being abused as she said but anyway on the basis of all of all of that what they found in the house and on louise and of louise's statement and uh, the evidence of the injuries to her body, the children were pretty quickly all taken into care. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Phew. The children told investigators that Rose had been the one to inflict most of the harm and physical abuse. But they also sort of told police, the investigators, about this family joke. You'll end up under the patio-like heather, which then got the police interested that would um that would raise some eyebrows wouldn't yeah, it, it did raise some eyebrows but, <laughs> that, uh, that's an in-joke that you kind of keep to yourself isn't it yeah <laughs> I, I think perhaps if one of them had said it and i guess they were yeah. being interviewed then maybe but i think two or three of them had sort of reported this and, and uh, the fact that their sister was missing well exactly that yeah so as a result of louise's um statement and claims and yeah her abuse fred was charged with rape and rose was charged as an accomplice and of child cruelty and incitement of her husband okay to commit those crimes this is in august 1992 they were both questioned about their missing daughter heather fred claimed that she was alive and well supporting herself by working as a prostitute okay nice business. (laughs) well yeah exactly you know (laughs) carry on the trade Rose claimed no knowledge of her whereabouts, but on the 11th of August, she changed her story and she said that Heather had left home on her own volition as Rose was concerned that Heather, being a lesbian, may upset the other children and that Rose had given her £600 to see her on her way. Wow, okay. So her story changed from not having any idea to to that mm. i mean that's bit... always a red flag isn't it when people start yeah. changing their story and and there's no indication i don't think that heather, heather was a lesbian or even if she was it wouldn't have mattered would it but uh, no <laughs> it's uh yeah on the 12th of august 1992 rose was granted bail on condition that she had no contact with her children her stepdaughter anna marie or 
her husband, Fred. Okay. Fred was actually held on remand in Winston Green Jail in Birmingham. Oh, okay. When Anna Marie heard that her father was denying any wrongdoing, she contacted police to provide a statement. Now, remember, she was living away by the wow. stage. She'd already yeah. left home. She was interviewed by Detective Constable Hazel Savage. She told of the physical and mental cruelty and sexual abuse at the hands of her father and her stepmother, in other words, Fred and Rose. Yeah. She also said that she had been trying to trace her mother, Rena, and her half-sister, Charmaine, for years, but with no success. Oh. Bearing in mind that they disappeared in 1971, I think it is, remember? Yeah, like 20 years. This is like 20 years later now, yeah. Police also spoke to May, who did not want to see her father charged, and she denied that she had ever been the victim of any molestation or assault. I guess he was still her dad, wasn't he? Exactly and, that, yeah. Like, and Anna, like you said last week, Anna Marie had said, you know, it was horrible what happened, but she still loved him because yeah. he was her dad. He was and her I dad. I guess it's that weird kind of dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, the police now were building up quite a case. Mm-hmm. They knew something was going wrong in this yeah. house. In June 1993, the case against Fred and Rose collapsed when Anna Marie and May declined to testify in court. It's a big step, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Having to stand up in court in public and say these things. Fred and Rose were acquitted of all charges at that stage. But the children all remained in foster care. These are the younger ones, anyone, the ones that were. Yeah. There. Yeah. However, social services were keen to still try and trace Heather. Okay. Yeah. Because there's still to be no explanation as to what happened to her. Police started investigations into Heather, noting that there was absolutely no indication of her being alive. There were mm. no. There was just nothing. There was no trace no. at all. Nothing like really. No bank revenue, account. No, no bank account. Yeah, exactly that. No, nothing. There were no official records. In the country, no, yeah. No official records at all of, of her anywhere. So DC Savage began to think that perhaps there was some truth in the family joke that Heather was buried under the patio. Oh my God. On the 23rd of February, 1994, police obtained a warrant to excavate the garden of 25 Cromwell Street. When they turned up, Rose became very agitated. Stephen, who was himself about 22 by this stage, was in the house, and she got him to call Fred, who was actually working away a few miles away, to get him to come home immediately. So they started digging up the garden. When Fred did come back, he wanted to know what was going on. He went round to the police station to demand an explanation, but they just said that they had a warrant to, to dig up the garden and to look for things, and there was nothing he could do about it. At the time, Fred and Rose were still in the house with mm-hmm. them working outside in the garden. And then overnight, that night, there were police left 
on guard on site, as it were, all night. It was observed that Fred and Rose seemed to be very nervous. They were speaking in hushed tones. They spent a lot of time that evening looking out the window into the back garden. And it was it was Stephen and, and May that had sort of observed this behaviour of their parents. So Mm-mm. things were starting to unravel. So the next morning on the 24th of February, when police arrived to continue their excavation, Fred told police that he wanted to be arrested for the murder of Heather. Oh. He was taken to the police station where he gave a full confession. He claimed he acted alone and it was in a fit of rage. He confessed to having killed Heather and after keeping her dismembered body in various bins, he then buried her in the back garden in a hole which he'd actually got Stephen to dig back in 1987. Oh, my God. On the pretense that they were going to have a fish pond in the garden. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) He did then offer to show the police the exact location of where Heather was buried. Jeez. Which I believe was sort of towards the bottom end of the garden, in actual fact. Okay. Police found the remnants of a bin bag tied by a rope. Bearing in mind it had been there for like seven years now. And in amongst this sort of uh, decayed plastic bag were a jumble of bones, which were taken to the forensic lab. Dental records proved that it was Heather. And that evening, Fred was formally charged with the murder of Heather. Oh, my goodness. Now, during the excavations, a third femur was found in the garden, which led to the realisation that there was probably more than one body buried in the garden. At which point, when he was confronted with that, he confessed to the fact that there were two other bodies in the back garden. He again offered to show the police their locations. One of those bodies was Shirley Robinson, and the other one was Alison Chambers. So the last three people that were murdered there Shirley Robinson, Alison Chambers, and Heather West were all buried in the back garden. Wow. The decision was then made to search the rest of the house. Good decision. Yeah. So bear in mind, Fred was under arrest now. He was on remand, having been arrested for the murder of Heather. Rose and the children that were living in the house, or the adult children, all moved out. Fred was told about what was going on. Uh, And then he was subjected to 16 hours of interviews each day for a period of time while they got to the the bottom of what was been going on. And he was constantly being questioned about the whereabouts of Rena and Charmaine based on the fact that Anna Marie had been looking for them. On the 4th of March, Fred West issued a note through his solicitor. Okay. The note said, I, Frederick West, authorise my solicitor, Howard Ogden, to advise Superintendent Bennett that I wish to admit a further approximately nine killings, expressly Charmaine, 
Rena, Lindegoff, and others to be identified. Signed, F. West. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. I mean, at least he was telling them that it had happened. At least he didn't just say. Yeah, nope, he did. I'm not telling you. He did. So, question further. Fred told the police that there were five bodies under the cellar floor, and one was under the floor of the ground floor bathroom. That was right, sort okay. of at the back of the house that they had. I think there's probably one upstairs as well that the lodgers mm-hmm. might have used, but they had a another one downstairs. I mean, there was a lot of them in that house, wasn't there? So uh, there were more than one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think they probably did. Um, and he said he admitted that most of those uh, bodies that. Uh, they would find were those of young girls and women that were hitchhikers and people that he picked up from the side of the road. Of the, well, 12 people that we know of that mm-hmm. were killed by Fred and Rose West, six were under floors. So there's the five under the cellar floor, and they were all hitchhikers. There's the one that was under the bathroom. Three were found in the garden. So that was Alison Chambers and Shirley Robinson and Heather. One was found at Midland Road, that other place they lived. That was the body of Charmaine. And there were two that were then found in fields in locations close to Much Markle. One of them we know was Rena. The other one that Fred identified as being buried there was... Anne McFall. Ah, okay. You know, we were right back in episode one, yeah. the first person to that have disappeared. disappeared. Yeah. So between March the 5th to the 8th, 1994, the six bodies that were under the floor were all recovered. They were all extensively mutilated, often with rope and tape and other evidence of extreme abuse being Jeez. found with them. They were, yeah, dismembered, decapitated, and their bodies were all found in spaces that had been dug out of the floor that were all of a similar size. And they all followed that same sort of pattern. That was kind of like a modus operandi for the way that he disposed of them. Yeah. Uh, And in all cases, as we covered before, I think, all of the bodies were missing some small bones. So, so like fingers out, uh, bones out of fingers or bones out of toes. And Fred refused to disclose why he did that or what had happened to those. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. So, as far as I'm aware, we, we will never know. No. Fred was already in jail. Rose was arrested on the 30th of April 1994. So it took him a while. Okay. She was initially questioned about the rape and abuse. She was refused bail and sent to Puckle Church Prison, maximum security wing. Here, she was questioned more thoroughly about the murders that had taken place at uh, 25 Cromwell Street, especially those of Linda Goff and her daughter, Heather. Mm-hmm. She was then formally charged with Linda Goff's murder. Fred and Rose were jointly charged with five counts of murder. Mm-hmm. Rose replying, I'm innocent to each charge. Rose was interviewed another 46 times before her case actually came to trial. And throughout, she claimed 
she was innocent. Fred, on the other hand, confessed to the murders of Rena and Charmaine. He also confessed to know the whereabouts of the body of Anne McFall. Mm-hmm. He agreed to show police where she was buried, together with the burial sites of Rena and Charmaine. And between the 10th of April and the 7th of June 1994, all three bodies were recovered, or the remains of uh. their bodies were recovered. Bearing in mind as well, Anne McFall had been in the ground since 1967, I think it was. Yeah. And now we're 1994, so that's well, what, 27 years. The, yeah, we're not quite a lot left of her. Interestingly, though, Fred always denied the murder of Anne McFall, blaming okay. instead that it was Rena, his first wife, that actually killed her. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It is, actually, because he was so keen to... Well, not keen. Confess to everything else. Confess to everything else. So, so far, Rose is charged with the murder of Linda Goff. Yeah. Fred and Rose are jointly charged with five counts of murder, to which she replied she was innocent. So those are the only charges that are against them at the moment. Fred, in Winston Green Prison in Birmingham, is put on suicide watch every 15 minutes. Uh, And this is all happening in June 1994. On the 30th of June, Fred and Rose appear at Gloucester Magistrates Court. Fred is now charged with 11 murders and Rose with nine. (gasps) And immediately after that court appearance, Fred was arrested again for the murder of Anne McFall. Okay. So he is now charged with all 12 murders. Now, at that court appearance, it was the first time that Fred and Rose had been in the same room for a long time because mm. they'd been kept apart, separate prisons. He was happy to see her again, and he wanted to sort of... I mean, they must have been close enough to be able to touch each other. I would have thought they'd have yeah. been kept separate. But he reached out to put his hand on her shoulder, mm. and she winced and pulled herself away. <sighs> She just didn't want anything to do with him. Basically, she just rejected him. Fred, on remand in Winston Green, became very depressed, especially because of the rejection from Rose. Mm -hmm. He wrote to her. She never replied. She started playing the role of the grieving mother and stepmother about the deaths of Charmaine and Heather, declaring her innocence continuously. And she developed and made it quite well known that she had a real hatred of Fred. Oh, no. Anna Marie and Stephen were the only two of his children that would actually go and visit Fred in prison. He asked them to convey his love back to Rose, but it was never acknowledged. Mm -mm. So basically... He's feeling very abandoned and um, very depressed at the way things have turned out. To be honest, I don't have much sympathy for him. No, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, he's not a nice man. (laughs) No. But nevertheless, uh, this rejection, this depression finally got the better of him. And on the 1st of January 1995, Fred West was found dead in his cell. He had used a blanket, uh, ripped it up, made a makeshift rope 
he'd managed to tie one end to a door handle and the other end to a window latch oh, okay. in the cell, wrapped it round his neck and sort of sunk down onto his knees, yeah. basically, which uh, strangled him. Mm-hmm. So basically he asphyxiated himself. And that was the end of Fred Rest. Oh dear. Well no, no, just, <laughs> no, no justice for him. No. A letter was found that he'd left behind. It was addressed to Rose, Stephen, and May. And it says to Rose West, Steve and May. Well, Rose, it's your birthday on the 29th of November 1994, and you'll be 41. Mm-hmm. And still beautiful and still lovely, and I love you. We will always be in love. The most wonderful thing in my life was when I met you. Our love is special to us. So, love, keep your promises to me. You know what they are. Where we are put together forever and ever is up to you. We loved Heather, both of us. I would love Charmaine to be with Heather and Rena. You will always be Mrs. West all over the world. That is important to me and to you. I haven't got you a present, but all I have is my life. I will give it to you, my darling. When you are ready, come to me. I will be waiting for you. That's terrifying. (laughs) And at the bottom of the note, he'd drawn like a gravestone. Mm Mm-hmm that he'd written on in loving memory, Fred West, Rose West, rest in peace where no shadow falls. In perfect peace, he waits for Rose, his wife. Wow. And that's a woman that wants absolutely nothing to do with him ever again. Unless that was something that kind of cooked up between them to make it look like she didn't want anything to do with him to see if it would kind of help her... um, Maybe. A bit more innocent if she was like, nope, don't have anything to do with you. Not going to provide you messages. Mm. And that's something that I just agreed that he was like, look, I'll just go and admit to everything. Do you know how I feel about you? Let's just do that. I'll take the hit sort of thing. Or maybe she did hate him. <laughs> yeah. I when you think... know that she would turn on him. So because she knew exactly what he would he had done all the way through, unless she didn't like the fact that he'd confessed. And she was upset that he'd kind of maybe maybe that's what it game. was. But she, she knew what was happening all her. the way along. It's not like yeah. she was disgusted at him for doing these murders. I uh, know because she knew exactly what she, what was going on. She did. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. No. Then in February no. 1995, so like the next month, Rose was charged finally with the murder of Charmaine. So that brought her okay. count to ten. Right. The only two that she wasn't charged with murdering were Anne McFall. Yeah. Because that was um, clearly before she had anything to do with Fred. And Rena. Rena. Okay. Yes, yeah, so Charmaine and then all of the bodies that were found at twenty five Cromwell Street she wow. was she was charged with. Her trial started on the third of October nineteen ninety five at Winchester Crown Court. The judge allowed testimony about the sexual mistreatment of three women by Fred and Rose to be Thank submitted you. as evidence of the way they operated, so their modus operandi in that respect, right. which established a pattern repeated and observed in the murders. Okay. But however, much of the evidence was circumstantial, 
Yeah. But after seven weeks, the judge instructed the jury that circumstantial evidence was, in this case, adequate. Okay. And where two people take part in a murder, they are both equally guilty. Yeah. So on the 22nd of November 1995, the jury returned a unanimous guilty of all 10 of her murders. And she is one of the few women in prison who have been sentenced to life, which means life, never to be paroled. In in America, they'd say life without the possibility of parole. Uh, And that's where she is now. First of all, she was sent to Her Majesty's Prison Bronzefield, where she was kept as a Category A prisoner. Then she was moved to Her Majesty's Prison Low Newton, which is in Durham, where she became acquainted with Myra Hindley. Okay. And also with Joanne Danahay, who we talked about in episode 27. Yeah. And where Rose became frightened for her life because of the threats that Joanne Danahay were making against her. Ridiculous. So um, in 2019... Rose West was moved to New Hall Prison, where she still, to this day, protests her innocence. Fred and Rose are thought to be responsible for many other disappearances of girls and young women around that time. Most recently, of course, there was the case of Mary Bastholm, which uh, made the news for a few days back in the summer where they were excavating the cellar floor. Yes. A cafe in Gloucester. They didn't find her, did they? Well, they didn't find anything, no. A little bit of aftermath from all of this. Fred's body was actually cremated on the 29th of March, 1995. It was a very short funeral service, around about five minutes. Four of his children attended, and it is believed that his ashes were scattered at Barry Island in South Wales, which is a place okay. that they as a family and where he used to go as uh, as a child on holidays. I'm surprised they let him have his ashes. I thought they'd have just had to like scatter them in the prison like they do with prisoners. Yeah, I, I'm a bit surprised actually, yeah. Yeah. But um, wow. I suppose Seems he wasn't like executed, was he? No, that's true actually. What happens to prisoners when they die now? Do they just... Take yeah, them away. They might be given. They might be given back to the families. Mm. And I guess technically he was never convicted. Uh, no, that's true. He was charged, but never actually found guilty. Yeah, <laughs> difficult one there, isn't it? He, yeah. um he evaded justice. Yeah, hundred percent. It's not like he'd been found guilty and then was then committed suicide. He did it before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so technically, yeah, obviously he'd uh, technically he was an innocent man in the eyes of the law. I guess. Tricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in 1994, the four youngest children were given new identities to protect them from the, well, the press interest and the attention that they were inevitably going to get. And given that they were still quite young in their teens at the time, that was the decision that was made. So those would have been Tara, Louise, Rosemary and Lucy Anna. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, Fred West never paid any attention, if you know what I mean, to Tara, Rosemary, or Luciana. Okay. He never tried to um, abuse them in the same way that he did for Louise. Yeah. Made June. 
yeah. Heather, Heather even, um, yeah. the, the, the other daughters. And the thinking there is that they were not his. Because exactly. they weren't his, he didn't feel, I mean, it's, I don't know how to word this, but he didn't feel they had the right to do that yeah. to them. Whereas for his own children, he felt he did. Yeah. Twisted. I mean, that's horrific, but it kind of makes sense. So twisted. In sort of yeah. my, like, well, it's my property. So, yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. So those three girls managed to get away with the. Uh, wow. Yeah. Anna Marie oversaw the funeral of her mother, Rena, and her half sister, Charmaine. Mm-hmm. They were put into the same coffin and cremated <laughs> together. Strict instructions were given that the floral tributes should not contain roses. Yeah, wow. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a quite a thing, isn't it? Yeah. It made me think about roses in quite a different way. You know, I, I was literally just thinking about that, that whole thought. It just goes around, like, oh my God, our garden is full of roses. roses. <laughs> <laughs> in November 1996, Fred's younger brother, John, hanged himself. He was actually awaiting trial for the multiple rapes of Anna Marie that had taken place in the 1970s in Cromwell Street. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Uncle John used to come round and abuse Anna Marie. Oh, my God. Detective Constable Hazel Savage was awarded an MBE for her tenacity at... Sticking with the investigation and uh, unearthing, literally, all of the crimes that took place at Cromwell Street. Yeah, because if she hadn't, if they hadn't been so persistent on finding Heather, they'd have just got away with it. Yeah. Well, for a bit longer, at least, wouldn't they? Because it was that kind of push to find out what happened to Heather. Yeah. That led to the next great in the garden, which led to them finding everybody else. Wow. Yeah. They so So, nearly got away with it. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, if they hadn't been joking about putting the body under the patio. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah, got cocky. Talking of Heather, now Barry later claimed that he witnessed Heather's murder. Oh, okay. He claims he saw Fred and Rose physically and sexually abuse her before Rose repeatedly stamped on her head until she stopped moving. Oh, my God. Yeah. He can't have been very old. He must only have been about seven, yeah, because he was born in 1980, and this was 1987 when Heather was killed. Wow. Barry went on to have mental health problems in later life, drug problems as well and he actually committed suicide in October 2020 that's sad Anna Marie actually tried to kill herself in 1999 by attempting to drown herself in the River Severn oh my goodness Stephen attempted to hang himself in 2002 in 2004 Stephen was actually jailed for nine months for unlawful sex with a 14-year-old girl. Oh, Stephen. So the the fallout from all of this is just horrific. Yeah. Really? The, yeah, like the shockwaves of it, the impact on these people. And that, that, the trauma that they must have gone through living yeah. in that environment and witnessing the things that they did. 
yeah. and then finding out what had happened in their home must have just been horrific. Yeah. And finally, in this part of our investigation into Fred and Rose West, in 1996, after all the excavations and evidence gathering had taken place at 25 Cromwell Street, the building was completely demolished. It was a semi-detached, so 25 and the house that it was attached to were taken apart. Every brick and every piece of debris was removed or destroyed so wow. as not to be the subject of souvenir hunters. Yeah, okay. And today, it's now a walkway between Cromwell Street and okay. the road next road behind it. And, uh, yeah, I can put pictures of that on our social media pages, because there's plenty of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no memorial. There's nothing there. There's no gardener remembrance. There's nothing like that there. It's just a... A paved walkway. So that is the story of Fred and Rose West. Yeah, quite an epic. Wow. Complicated, yeah. complex. I hope uh, if you've taken an interest in this story, you've managed to keep up with it. Yeah. Yes. It's been so interesting. I thought I knew the story a bit, but it's been so interesting to go through it and yeah learn more about it and break it down and mm. like we're yeah. saying it, it is it is a, a so much very it. famous murder as you say if you think of yeah famous murders in in the uk then that has to be one of them i think it's one of those ones that like, you kind of think you know and then actually when you yeah. look into it it's yeah. a lot there's so much more to it than you realize yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so interesting Yes. And how it all kind of unraveled at the end. Like. Uh, the fact that he confessed almost immediately it's, yeah. um, and rose to this day is protesting her innocence. I wonder if she really is innocent. She's probably not, is she? There's, there's enough evidence against I, I her. I think, that, yeah, there's, there's enough witnesses alive still yeah. who were subject to her cruelty yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> and why would they lie, to be fair? If yeah. it was just him, why would they say... Oh no, it's her. There's so many questions that you're just thinking of. Like, how do the kids just not know what was going on? How did they not realise that they were like murdering people in their yeah. house? All these, yeah, so many people. But I guess tiny if house. she was, you know, a prostitute and she was kind of hosting all these people, I bet they were just used to kind of weird noises and weird things and just weird stuff going on. So maybe they didn't even notice because they were just kind of so accustomed to it. It's a different world. I mean, it's not an environment <laughs> to bring children up in, is it? There's not nine of them. <laughs> no. Wow. So, there we go. What a story. What a story. What a story. Yeah, I'll put some more pictures onto our social pages. Wow. Well, thank you for that. It's been so interesting to hear that from you. Thank you. I mean, horrific, gross, depraved, just awful. But... Um, really interesting. So, thank you. No, you're welcome. I, um, I've I'm, I've been fascinated by it. I can't say I've enjoyed it, but I'm glad that I've understood it better by yeah researching into it more. Yeah, and I feel like I've got a much better kind of understanding of it now. And what's the fact that he ran over a child with his ice cream van? Yeah, don't be that one. That doesn't get enough mention <laughs> at all. No. And I don't think I realised how many there were. 
And I think I thought they killed more of their children. So just two. Just 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 two. Just that they two. Just so, molested and yeah. did horrible things to some yeah, of to the, the others. others. But um, yeah. Awful. Like I said, it's one of those cases that you think you know, but you probably don't. Yeah. Probably don't. So I feel like I do now. So thank you very no, much. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for the photos that you've been posting so far. And you'll post some more this week. Yes, I will. I'll put some more photos on our Instagram page, which is at Dad and Daughter Do Death. And on our Facebook, Dad and Daughter Do Death. If you have any comments or want to contact us at all, you can always write to us. Dad and Daughter Do Death at gmail.com. So, yeah, please do drop us a line or leave us a comment. You can also contact us through the messaging services of Instagram and Facebook as well. Always good to hear from you, any feedback you've got. We still have a few items of merchandise. If you would like a souvenir of this podcast, just get in touch with us and we'll send you something. So thank you for the last three weeks of story and letting me just come along and listen for three weeks. Well, very much over to you for the next episode. Yes. So I look forward to that. (laughs) Pressure is on. Yep. (laughs) So join us next time when once again, Dad. And daughter, do death.